Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Four medals so far at the Paralympics in Tokyo, uh, all through the ladies, actually. Uh, hopefully more to come tonight. You'd think so anyway, wouldn't you, with Sophie Pascoe back in the pool in one of her preferred strokes. Uh, and William Steadman in the long jump. Now, we're, we're joined by uh, our man on the spot over there. I won't necessarily say our man, but our being New Zealand's man on the spot. Uh, commentator uh, Glenn Lama, of course, a very familiar voice. So uh, We've heard him doing... Uh, some of uh, the wheelchair rugby. So first of all, I think we'll start on the wheelchair rugby, uh, Glenn, and, and move forward after that. Um, what have you made of, of the, the New Zealand performances? Would you have, have expected them perhaps to get a victory uh, in their pool play? Uh, look, um, Ian, morning to you, mate. It's a, it's a, that's a tough question. Uh, look, uh, what, have I, what have I made of the World Blacks? You'd have to say they were off the pace. I mean, there's no um, other way of, of saying it, really. I saw all eight teams here, and New Zealand really was a distant um, eighth of uh, of the other seven. They were uh, they only got in because Japan were the host country, and it opened up a spot for another team from the Asia Oceania region. Australia have been a very good team for many years now. I mean, they won the last two gold medals at the Paralympic Games, so it's uh, you have to be very good to knock them off. Um, so we came in. And, uh, you know, we only had eight players in our side. Every other team had the maximum of 12. So I think we're a bit down on troops, resources at the moment, and it, and it showed out on court. So uh, if, if, we, if we'd managed a victory somewhere in, our, in, the, in all four games, it would have been a, a pretty amazing achievement, but um, it really wasn't to be, no. So the, the players themselves, I imagine at some point you've been able to Perhaps catch up with them. I'm not sure about your bubble requirements or whatever. Uh, how do we how do we develop? How do we get better? I mean, uh, when you say we only had eight players out of a possible twelve, do we just simply not have the numbers playing the game back here? Yeah, look, it's uh, that's a really interesting question. I think the reason um, we've been overtaken because we were once very good. I mean, we, we won a gold medal in Athens and a bronze in, mm. in Sydney. Um, and then, and then we, we, we were fifth in Beijing, and then we didn't qualify for London or, or Rio. So what's happened here, and what became pretty apparent to me after watching the, the first day of action here, is that the other seven teams are all really well-resourced. They've got way more um, you know, management and support staff in their teams than, than we have. And um, that is, there's, there's clearly been some some effort gone into making those teams as best as they can possibly be. Now, uh, you know, people have to fundraise to get the Wheel Blacks to places, Ian. Um, I'm not sure if that happens in other countries uh, that we're here, but it didn't look apparent to me that that was the case, that they were fully funded teams, you know, here that win, win gold medals. Um, so I, I think a major rethink has to happen, actually, with the Wheel Blacks, because... You know, it's got the main rugby unit. It's kind of in our soul. You know, we expect um, our rugby national teams to perform at a very high level, and the Wheel Blacks haven't on this occasion. So something needs to be done going forward, 
And um, I, I thought about this actually, you know, when after we played a couple of games, um, and I did a bit of investigating, and I actually ran into the, the head of New Zealand Paralympics um, organisation at the World Rugby one day and asked her about it. And I, I said to her, how do you reckon, um, or what do you reckon about New Zealand rugby actually adopting the Wheel Blacks under their wing, you know, taking them under their umbrella? And she said, well, that's an interesting idea because a, a few other sports here are going to be incorporated into their national bodies. And I thought, well, look, if, if wheelchair rugby could be taken under New Zealand rugby's wing, and it never has been under New Zealand rugby's wing, Ian, then it's a win-win for everyone. First of all, it looks great for New Zealand rugby that they're now becoming, as we like to term in New Zealand and in the world these days, a more inclusive organisation. It would allow the Wheel Blacks to tap into that wonderful uh, knowledge that New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks have built up off, off, uh, over a long period of time about how to perform as a high-performance athlete, how to train, all that sort of stuff. And it would give some really, it's a good access to heaps of resources that the Wheel Blacks over a, over a period of time from here on and going forward would be able to become a, bit, a better side going forward because I think it's pretty clear over the last five to ten years that we've been left in the dust a little bit by other countries that have managed to get more resources into their team. So I'm wondering if that might be a future kind of idea. I, I have no idea whether it's, if, if, whether it's going to happen. I have no idea whether New Zealand rugby would be interested in doing this. Um, I would say probably not at the moment. You've got a few bigger fish to fry at the moment, given the, the times we live in. But I think it's certainly worth a discussion, Ian, because it's a great sport. There are good people playing. And if we can get a gold medal again in wheelchair rugby, I think the, the, the country would love it. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that we take too kindly to any of our rugby teams going through a tournament without winning anything and, and um, you know, being under, under-resourced and uh, not having the, the required amount of numbers. So, Glenn, I think you make a very valid point there. Uh, let's let's get on to um, uh, the silverware. First of all, Danielle Aitchison um, and Sophie Pascoe have both uh, picked up uh, silver medals. Uh, but the, the really special, uh, the two golds, I, I feel, for these uh, young ladies, uh, Tupo Naufi winning our first gold medal uh, in the 100 backstroke. That, that's, I mean, these are really special achievements and all. Just getting there is really special, but... Having something to show for it for Tupu Noifi, just just a brilliant performance. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I mean, and again, you know, you've got to be at your top of your game. I mean, this is an elite sporting competition, um, and uh, you know, for her to go through and win her gold medal was brilliant. Uh, Lisa Adams as well. I mean, it's not amazing when you look at that family, Ian. That um, you know, two sisters are shot putters and. Uh, and the blokes seem to love basketball. And, um, you know, Stephen Adams runs around on a basketball court. I know a couple of his brothers back in the day were very good players too. So um, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool to see that family, five, pretty much four or five members from their family now all representing New Zealand in these in these two sports. And, uh, and, and yeah, keep your eye on Sophie Pascoe. I mean, she's been uh, or recorded the fastest time in the world and two other events, the 100 backstroke, which is coming up today in, the, in, in one of her medley races. So, you know, barring you know disaster, we should she should medal in both of those, maybe even gold medals. And then later on in the week, we've got um, a guy actually that I'm looking forward to seeing a canoe sprinter, Scott Martlew, who um, I've noticed over the over the summer months and even last year was, is very capable paddler, and he's been competing against able-bodied paddlers in the New Zealand rounds. And um, so keep your eye on him, Scott Martlew. Later on in the week, I think he's up on the second of September, which is I think in 
three days. Yeah, so look, 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 looking forward to him and seeing how he goes. One of the things that I think we all got a bit of a kick out is, is the Adam story, as you talked about. I mean, you know, they talk about the quarter family overseas with uh, the two sisters who are great golfers. The, uh, the, the brother, of course, who's uh, a Grand Slam tennis player, got to the last eight in a couple of tournaments just recently. A dad, Peter Quarter, is a Grand Slam winner, and, and the, the mum uh, was a top 30 um, women's tennis player as well in terms of world rankings. I mean, that is a special family, but uh, I look at the Adams uh, family as such, uh, and I think, man, uh, that's pretty hard to, it's pretty hard to rival that. And, and those scenes of, of Lisa Adams hugging Dame Val Adams, I, I just wonder how much Dame Val Adams got out of that, with you, uh, bearing in mind what she's been able to achieve on the world stage as well. I wonder, from a coaching point of view, just mm. how special that was for her. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, I know if that was my, if I was kind of coaching my brother or sister, and um, I was sitting in the stands watching them compete and win, I think I would get as much a, a, as of a kick out of it as I would winning myself. Wouldn't? Wouldn't? I, I, would you? I mean, I'm sure you would yeah. too, Ian. You know, it's a, it's a pretty special achievement when you when you know your flesh and blood really, uh, you know, is, is out there doing it as well. And um, and you know, you've had a hand in there coaching that person. I mean, it's um. It's just incredible. So uh, no, I agree. Those scenes were were marvelous, and I'm sure the rest of the family, which is large, um, as we know, uh, would have got an absolute kick out of as much of a kick out of watching Lisa win as Val win or Stephen Adams playing in the NBA or you know Ralph and Warren back in the day playing for the Tall Blacks. So uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's an amazing family, amazing family, no question. Glenn, uh, just a, another thing uh, from uh, an outside the competing side of things. Uh, during the the Olympics uh, uh, proper, um, we didn't see a lot of the numbers of COVID and that sort of thing uh, around Japan. It was all focused on Olympic performance and, and staying very much inward looking in that regard. We're starting to get the numbers back through again. What what is what are you reading the situation like uh, over there in Japan at the moment? Well, my feeling over here is that it's pretty much the same um, as to what it was when um, I arrived. Uh, I think the numbers, actually, I'm going to type into my my computer here just to see what the COVID numbers are today because uh, occasionally I, I kind of dive in and have a look. It's usually around four to 5,000 cases a day are being uh, uh, registered here. And there we are on the 28th of August 3,581 cases were uh, recorded in Tokyo. Now, the Tokyo prefecture is massive. It's like 15 million people. So we're not talking a small number here, but 3,580 cases. That's about what it was when I arrived in in the middle of July. So it's very similar here. Um, So I've been... But it's a really interesting question because I remember when I first arrived in one of the um, one of our commentary team had got delayed um, in South Africa because he'd returned a positive test, and I was going, "Oh, jeepers! I'm going to be in close proximity to a guy with a COVID, COVID with a positive case. So how, how's that going to work? And all that sort of stuff." And then I'm, I'm just thinking, surely he he won't be able to come, but he did come because he returned two negative tests before he flew out, and I was thinking, "Okay, I'm going to." keep my distance and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, um, as, as you often do, you have to run into these people. You have to be polite. You have to talk to them. And, you know, he was interesting telling us, how, you know, what symptoms he got and, and how we felt and all that sort of stuff, how he feels now. I mean, he said 
that um, he still had really no sense of taste um, when he arrived. I haven't run into him for a couple of weeks, so I'm not quite sure what what is uh, what where he can you know taste his peanut butter on his toast in the morning or not. But um, yet, yeah, but um, but he was interesting. But you know, at the end of the day, I was at dinner with a, with someone else the other night, and they said they'd had COVID, and then you know, I kind of thought, well, this is the world now. You know, you're going to run into people. We're going to run into people in New Zealand in the future now that have had COVID, and there are people probably once this lockdown finishes who will walk down the street and have a look at a person and think, hmm, I wonder if they got COVID during the lockdown. We just have to get used to it. But having said all that, if you if you maintain your um you know your if you maintain the procedures like wearing your mask, keeping your distance, washing your hands, all that sort of stuff that we've been told ad nauseum, you kind of and you get vaccinated, that's really all we can do as humans, right? And then we just have to get on with life. So that's what I've been trying to do here. That's what millions of people have been doing here in Japan. Um, and it's just they're getting on with life now. It's, it's the world we live in. Glenn, just finally, uh, I know this is a, a new experience for you in terms of, of uh, what you're witnessing here uh, at these Paralympics. Uh, have you got a, either a standout performance or just a general impression on uh, what this has meant to you as a sports broadcaster? Oh yeah, it's um, it's just I, it's funny, isn't it? We were, you know, as I touched on before, this is elite sport, so in, in many respects, it's no different to any other event that I've been. I mean, we're we're getting human beings who want to win gold medals, and and uh, their their uh, impairments are irrelevant in in a way. Um, but you know, there are some kind of. Uh, standout performances. You know, I look at a guy like Riley Bat in the Australian wheelchair rugby team and, you know, he has no legs. He was born with no legs, but he's an amazing competitor. Uh, he's just got that, so he's got such a strong will to win. Uh, I, I find him very inspiring, even though Australia only came fourth from these games here in the wheelchair rugby. I mean, the New Zealand rugby, uh, wheelchair rugby player, Barney Kornafiranisi, played with a wonderful attitude. I, I really enjoyed him. Um, but it's hard to single out one because all of them have got um, amazing backstories, and even the athletes that I'm, I'm going to commentate over the next week to end the games are going to have amazing backstories, which um, I'm sure I'll be touched with too. So, yeah, it's just uh, I just like seeing generally Ian, everyone going out there trying to win and and do the best for their country and themselves, and uh, it's uh, it's just cool to watch. Glenn Lama, uh, as always, uh, much appreciated. Uh, your thoughts, uh, your sentiments there, uh, doing a great job uh, on a magnificent occasion as well. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, stay safe. It's the main thing. Stay safe Anytime and uh, come home mate. safe. Cheers, yeah, uh, Glenn Lama mate. there, folks. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.